0: Hey everybody! Welcome into the latest edition of the MLB Extras Yankees podcast. Tim McMaster here, along with Brian Hoke, our Yankees reporter. Uh, we're continuing our position by position breakdowns. Brian, this week we're going to talk about the starting rotation. I'll um, we'll also talk a little bit about Mel Stottlemyre at the end of the podcast. Mel, of course, passing away this week. But before we get to that, let's start with the newest Yankee, and that is infielder. Yeah, infielder. DJ LeMahieu, as they add another infielder not named Manny Machado, and it feels like this is probably the last straw as far as that kind of thing goes. Um, LeMahieu's an interesting guy. He's obviously a guy who had a great year in 2018. Um, he can play a lot of different positions, which is, I think, important for where the Yankees stand. Um, you know, just talk about how he fits
1: into this infield as it is currently built. I think they're looking at LeMahieu as kind of a super utility guy. They, they've they wanted one like that for a few years. There was a lot of talk about Ben Zobris being the ideal Yankee fit. They never got their hands on him. Uh, maybe they can create that with LeMahieu. He's going to play some second base. He'll play some third base, uh, some shortstop, maybe even first base. Uh, they did not talk to him about the outfield, but uh, that gives uh, Aaron Boone a lot of flexibility when you have a guy like that that you can bounce around at those different positions. He says, He'll be comfortable doing it. He played a lot of third base in the minors and some shortstop as well. So he, he's eager to get back over to that side of the diamond. Primarily the last four years, he's been a second baseman. But uh, the Yankees, he's a three-time Gold Glove Award winner. And, um, you know, he's two years removed from winning the National League batting title. So the Yankees see... A lot of potential here. I know it's not the name that Yankee fans were hoping for or waiting for, uh, but DJ Mayhew can definitely be a, a, a nice part on a Yankee team, and I think he's going to be an upgrade over what they had last year in uh, the likes of Neil Walker and Ronald reyes uh, You've got a guy who, as I said, is two years removed from leading the National League in hitting, and uh, they think his core Field numbers are going to translate to Yankee Stadium, which is a pretty good hitter's park as well.
0: I think it's interesting that LeMahieu signed with the Yankees because here's a guy who's really established himself as a everyday player, and he was willing to accept a role where he's going to move around a little bit. Still probably be in the lineup just about every day, but at different spots. Um, it just shows you how much he wanted to be a New York Yankee. He spoke today uh, to reporters via conference call, and we have some of that sound. Let's listen in on DJ LeMahieu's thoughts about putting on the pinstripes. The Yankees were top of my list and we kind of gone back and forth a lot of the off season. they kept checking in we kept checking in and um you know finally came to agreement and couldn't be more excited about the decision i was told to bring a lot of gloves i feel pretty comfortable playing multiple positions you know dd's coming back i don't know when but i think you got a lot of talented infielders there and you know kind of just see where where you know how it unfolds but uh you know i'll be i'll be ready to go wherever uh, wherever i'm needed you know, you look at this team on paper, and it's stacked. It's a stacked, uh, it's a stacked team. And uh, you know, going into free agency, personally, I've gotten a taste of the playoffs the last couple of years, and you know, just how exciting that is. So, uh, you know, you look at this team on paper, and and um, you can see there's a lot of optimism, um, a lot of talent, and uh, hopefully, uh, you know, bring a championship. And and uh, you know, obviously, that's that's uh, that's pretty exciting for me. And kind of funny there, he said that the uh, Brian Cashman told him to bring lots of gloves with him, lots of different gloves to spring training because he will be playing all over the diamond. So a neat addition. Um, can we now once and for all make it official that the Yankees are not going to sign Manny Machado or Brian? Is there still a crack in the door somewhere?
1: I think there's always a crack in the door until you see Manny Machado at a podium, holding up some other team's Jersey. You, you cannot count the Yankees out. Um, I made that mistake last year with John Carlos Stanton. I said, never again. Um, Yeah. I said, there was going to be, I just didn't see how Stanton was going to fit and that big contract coming over and trade. And, uh, and then you look up and he's he's in the heart of the Yankee lineup and uh, led the team at home runs last year. So I, I'm never going to say never. It, it looks a whole lot less likely than I thought it would going into the offseason. But I, I still think there's a possibility that maybe there's another move to come here. Uh, you know that Brian Cashman is always working and uh, looking. I, I think their focus right now is on pitching. They 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 would like to add another starting pitcher if they could. Um they they're open to upgrading that and and if not they're open to upgrading the bullpen too and I think that's the more likely route that they'll go, but I I really do think there could be another domino to fall here before you hit opening day.
0: All right. Let's get into that starting rotation as it is currently built. Um, we'll start at the top and work our way down one through uh, six, basically, is where we'll go. And that means we start with Luis Severino uh, coming off a great season, 19 and eight, three, three, nine ERA. That's a career best in wins. He also started 32 games almost got to the 200 inning mark at 191 and a third innings, Um, kind of entering his prime. He's going to be 25 years old. Um, It wasn't a season without some hiccups along the way, Brian, but we've seen that from Severino. Um, Is that the one thing that he really needs to just figure out now is just how to be consistent from
1: the beginning of the season through the end? Well, I think it's almost two different seasons with Severino because if you look at his numbers through his first 20 starts, I believe he was 14 and two and just pitching lights out and uh, he was unhittable and he was an ace. I mean, he was in the Cy Young conversation through those 20 starts and something changed the last 12 there. Uh, and I think that carried over into the post season. Yeah, I, I do wonder about the pitch tipping. That's something that people talked about late in the season with him uh, giving that away to the opponents, and maybe that was a contributing factor. Maybe it was a, a fatigue issue, and he, he was just pitches he was not getting away with uh, those last 12 starts plus the postseason. Um, but I think if you go back and look at the tape uh, of him against the Red Sox in the American League Division Series, that is not the guy that we saw the first 20 starts of the season. And uh, when he's on his game, he is an ace. I, I, I believe that he is their one. Um, I, I think he can go toe-to-toe with – Uh, You know, you want to throw any of those names out there, the Cy Young contenders. Uh, I'm convinced after watching him in the first half last year that he belongs in that conversation. But the second half Severino we saw was not that same guy. And so he's going to need to figure out to go back to the drawing board. And if it's as simple as not giving away his pitches and not letting uh, hitters know what's coming, then, uh, you know, I know that's easier said than done. It's clearly something that he and Larry Rothschild were working on. But if he can correct that and get back to what he was in the first half, then, Uh, You know, the Yankees have a dominant number one who can pitch any playoff series and take the ball in a game one.
0: Yeah, he certainly has that potential and we will see and there's more depth behind him this year it seems like than in years past. I don't know which guy is number 2 and which is 3 with Paxton and Tanaka, but for our purposes we'll go with James Paxton next he's the new guy there in the rotation as they trade for him, bring him over from the Seattle Mariners. Uh Paxton last year, 11 and 6 a 3.76 ERA. He was better than that in 2017 where he pitched to an ERA under 3, but like Severino, but for a shorter period of time in 2018, Paxton really looked like a true ace early on. Then he got banged up a little bit, and and it didn't quite finish out that way. But he's a big-body guy. He he looks the part, and he's going to be a nice addition.
1: That's a big question. Yeah, no, he should be, if as long as he can stay healthy. And that's been the question yeah. with James Paxton's career. He's had five trips to the DL in the last three years. But when he's on the mound, you're right, he is that— frontline guy who really does make that rotation much more solid. It pitched a no-hitter last year in Toronto, a Canadian-born guy. So I I think that Yankee fans are really going to enjoy watching the Big Maple pitch. Uh, If they haven't seen him yet, um, they're they're going to like the way he looks and pinstripes. And uh, he, he's got the stuff that he can shut down any team on any given day. But as I said, the injury issues have been uh, the problem with Paxton. But clearly it's something that the Yankees investigated. They looked at his medicals. They didn't see any red flags there. And they went and made that trade because they gave up a pitcher. Uh, they gave up a three-player package. But Justice Sheffield should turn out to be a pretty good Major League pitcher. I think he's going to uh, turn into – Quite an asset for the Seattle Mariners, but we'll see. I think James Paxton also has the ability to, to benefit the Yankees, and he's under contract for two more years, so the Yankees are certainly going to get a look at him in their rotation, and uh, they're hoping to get him out on the mound for, for more than 160 innings this year.
0: And it's going to be interesting you mentioned Sheffield because there's a pretty good chance that Justice Sheffield makes the Mariners' rotation um, to start the season. So you're going to have Paxton pitching for the Yankees and Sheffield pitching for the Mariners. And if Paxton starts slow and Sheffield gets off to a great start, you know, Yankees fans won't waste any time criticizing the move, <laughs> even though I think for the most part, when the move was made, Yankees fans were in favor of bringing in Paxton. But, but things can change, and, and Yankees fans can sometimes forget what they thought before. But uh, it'll be interesting to watch for sure. All right, on to Masahiro Tanaka. Um, 2018, a solid season for Tanaka, 12 and 6 375 ERA. 5 uh, ERA. That ERA, a run better than 2017 he'll be 30 years old here for the upcoming season and he's a guy who despite always having that issue with the elbow he's been able to pitch through it here throughout this contract um, and and stay on the mound for the most part
1: yeah before we get to that tim you know what you just reminded me of i remember the yankees made a trade uh where they gave up Shane Green and he wound up getting off to a good start with the Tigers and everybody was up in arms about, Oh, Brian Cashman gave away this guy and this is not going to work out. And Shane Green came back down to earth and Didi Gregorius, who they got in that trade turned out to be pretty good pickup for the Yankees. So yeah, I I would say, let these things breathe a little bit. Um, Now I can go on to Tanaka and say, uh, I I think that (laughs) you, you always have it in the back of your mind that, the injury could blow out and you know he's pitching with that torn UCL it's partial tear but clearly he's he's been one of the better pitchers on this yankee staff he's been able to avoid the dl for the most part and uh, it really hasn't given him much of an issue he's got that swing and miss splitter that has come back maybe it's not as lethal as it once was but still very pitchable and I I think that now you don't really worry about it too much I I think that the first year or two you always thought it was going to blow out any given day but now you just expect Tanaka to go out there and take the ball and give you a solid effort And uh, what what has really impressed me watching him pitch here uh, most of it after that injury is that he is able to bring his game up uh, in a big situation. He likes going toe-to-toe with guys. I remember there was a start at Fenway Park where, uh, I think it was when Chris Sale first got to the Red Sox, and everybody basically said that, oh, Sale was going to, you know, outpitch Tanaka, and he took it upon himself to to really answer that, and he wound up beating Sale in that game at Fenway, and so yeah, I think that whether it's that or in a postseason situation, Tanaka's a good choice to have out there on the mound, and um, you know, going back to last year, everybody was talking about the Yankees rotation being a weakness, but they've got a bunch of guys here and, and we're going to get to the other ones. But I, I feel like they, their job is to get the ball to the bullpen. If they can go five or six innings and hand it off, uh, then, then they've done their job. And Tanaka is is supremely equipped to do that and more on occasion.
0: C.C. Sabathia says he's kind of a new man after going through the hard thing. Um, He seems to be ready and on track to be ready to go for spring training. Um, What, seems to be uh, or promises to be the final season of what's been a great career for CC Sabathia uh, and full steam ahead at this point with that kind of scare behind him.
1: Yeah, I'd argue it's going to be a Hall of Fame career for CC Sabathia. I think that he's putting the finishing touches on it right now, but even if he had called it quits after 2018, I think you would have serious consideration for Cooperstown and yeah, what a ride for this guy. And, um, you know, obviously that that's hugely scary that you're talking about, a, a 90% blockage in uh, the artery that, you know, CC called it the widowmaker. I mean, it's very scary. He The doctor said that if he had gotten on that plane to go to London, he might not have come back. So, yeah, I think you take a deep breath. You, you say thank goodness that he was able to report it when he did and he realized that something was wrong. They went and got it taken care of. And, you know, everything you hear now from the Yankees is that he'll be ready to start – Shortly after opening day, remember, he's still got that suspension. He's got to serve from uh, throwing at the guy at Tropicana Field. So he's going to come back after that. And, you know, we'll see how it goes in spring training. He's also coming back from surgery on his knee. But I think one thing you've seen is that Sabathia knows how to get himself ready. This is not a guy who's going to have to go out and try and, uh, you know, light the world on fire in in spring training. He knows what he needs to do to get ready to face big league hitters. And um, what he's been able to do in this late stage renaissance is generate soft contact. He is really he's not going to be a strikeout guy at this stage of his career. But what he can do is they put the ball in play. They hit ground balls to the infield. And that's part of the reason why, if you remember last year during the ALDS the Yankees didn't have Miguel Andujar on the field for a do-or-die game four against Boston, and, and that was because CeCe pitched, and they wanted to have a better glove at third base because they knew the balls were going to be hit over there. So uh, I, I think infield defense will be huge for CeCe this year. Um, they'll, they'll have to play well behind him because the ball will be put in play, but I, I still expect he'll be out there to make his twenty twenty-five starts, and uh, I'm sure he'll have some kind of midseason sabbatical and go to the DL, as has been his kind of reputation here the last few years. But you just come to expect it. And, um, you know, he wants to finish on a strong note. He's he's talked about... He wants another World Series title, um, and if he could bookend his Yankees career, he won in two thousand nine. If he can win again in twenty nineteen, I, I think that would be the perfect way for him to go out.
0: Yeah, certainly would. I think Yankees fans can get on board with that. All right, and then the fifth starter, Jay Happ, or fourth or fifth starter, Jay Happ. Uh, he was seven and zero with a two six nine ERA in his time with the Yankees in twenty eighteen. That seems unrealistic to expect, but. He seems like a perfect fit at Yankee Stadium, so he should be good. Maybe that's a little too good, but what do you expect to see from Jay Happ?
1: I I, I think we've talked about this before. He was one of those guys who just fit right in immediately, kind of like a Todd Frazier a couple years ago, where – Hap was on the mound taking the ball every fifth or sixth day, and it felt like he had been there for years already. So um, he he almost seemed like part of the furniture already at Yankee Stadium, so not surprised at all that he wanted to come back, that the Yankees wanted to have him back. And you've got a guy who's been in the American League East. He's been through the wars. He knows how to carry himself. I mean, his career goes back more than a decade when he came up with the Phillies, and um, he's done it all, seen it all. But the one thing that Hap keeps talking about, as does Sabathia, is – he wants to win another World Series ring. And so I think that um, they are in a situation here where, you know, he's able to bet on himself a little bit with the contract that he has. Um, I, I think that he's going to have an opportunity. This is probably his last big contract as a big league pitcher, and um, he's going to do it on the world's biggest stage. I think that it was something that agreed with him last year coming over, the expectation to win. Obviously the Yankee season ended earlier than they thought, it would and um, the one start that he had the one bad start happened to be against the Red Sox in the ALDS and that was the team that he's enjoyed success against but it didn't work out that day you know he's raring for an opportunity to get back out there against Boston he's going to see plenty of them so I I think that it made a lot of sense I I thought that that was the one move that you could look at as a lock was that Jay Happ and the Yankees were going to figure something out and Sure enough, they did, and so I think uh, the Yankees are better for it, and j Haps happy to, to be back.
0: All right, finally in the pitching front, Sonny Gray is still a Yankee. We don't have to go into it. We've talked about it a lot, but um, what do you think the percentage is that he is still on the Yankees when spring training
1: starts? Ooh, um, you know, the number that pops into my head is 10 to 15%, I guess. I, I still think that Brian Cashman has enough interest out there that he can figure something out. I, I think bringing Sonny Gray to camp, serves really no purpose unless you're intending to have him on the major league roster. And if if they do believe that Sabathia's health is not going to be an issue, then there's really no reason to do that. Um, you know, I, I know that Cashman said that they kind of paused negotiations while CC was in the hospital getting that procedure done and going through his follow-ups, but you know, now the talks are back on. You've heard that as many as 11 teams have expressed interest, and there's five or six out there that are – pretty serious about it and, and they should be I, th- I think that a change of scenery is exactly what sonny gray needs at this point in his career for whatever reason pitching in yankee stadium just hasn't worked out for him the road numbers are pretty good the peripherals are all right so i i think he's a bounce back candidate and now it's just a question of what can the yankees realistically get for sonny gray who's going to be a free agent after 2019 but should be able to help a team especially if you put him in a spacious ballpark someplace like san diego um, he, he should put up some pretty good numbers and be able to kind of catapult into free agency and and get a bigger contract. I I think that uh, he's motivated. Um, I think the Yankees are motivated sellers, but they don't have to give him away. So I would say it it really benefits no one for the Yankees to bring Sonny Gray to camp in Tampa. Um, If he's there on February 13, it's going to mean that the Yankees didn't get, what they were looking for, but I think they will.
0: Finally, hate to end it on a down note, but better than starting there. Mel Stottlemyre, uh, a great Yankee as a player, five-time All-Star, uh, maybe a better Yankee as a pitching coach where he f- won five rings with the Yankees. Uh, just sum up where he, what he meant to this franchise as a guy who was, was never a manager and actually never won a World Series as a player.
1: Yeah, I, I think that... Mel Stoudemire, I mean, what a what a true gentleman. Um, Just, you know, I've never heard anybody say a bad word about Mel. I think he was the glue. He was he was the adult in the room, almost, so to speak, on some of those late 90s teams. And, you know, you just hear any of the pitchers who had the privilege of working with him talked about not just what he was able to do on a coaching front, but just the person he was. And, um, you know, I, I think that Joe Torrey said it really well when he said that Mel Stoudemire was one of the toughest men he ever met and um, went through a lot of stuff off the field. Look, I, you know, he was given five years to live and he wound up, you know, <laughs> he pushed way past that and got 20 out of it. And so I, I think that Mel, Mel Stoudemire was a fighter. Um, you know, this guy was tough as nails on the mound uh, in his personal life, in his career face these health issues he had head on and was very vocal about, you know, multiple myeloma and uh, raising awareness for it. Um, I remember covering an event with him back at Shea Stadium back in 2004, We were alongside Don Baylor, who unfortunately both of them now have, have left us, but uh, both raising awareness and, and trying to just confront what they had to deal with and um, letting people know out there that they're not alone, that you know, there were plenty of people going through the same type of things, the same battles every day. And, um, it, Mel Stottemeyer, just great man, a great life. And, um, you know, I, I think you look back and when you talk about him, his playing days, it, it's too bad he didn't play on, uh, some of those teams that were able to win a whole lot of World Series. He kind of caught the dynasty at the end there, but he played with some of the greatest Yankees. And, um, you know, he, he belongs in that pinstripe lawyer forever. So I, I think that, uh, Yeah, Yankee fans can be proud that Mel Stottlemyre was one of their own. And Mel
0: Stottlemyre was 77 years old. That'll do it for this edition of the pod. You can follow Brian on Twitter, at Brian Hoke. I'm there at MLB underscore McMaster. You can find all of our podcasts on MLB.com backslash podcast. We're also on Apple Podcasts and Google Play as well. Tune in the rest of the offseason. We'll continue to go position by position and break down this Yankees team. For Brian Hoke, I'm Tim McMaster. Thank you for listening.